I don't want to. I don't want to talk about football. Sunday hurt me. Sunday hurt my feelings. So, I'm what sad. team is yours? What team? I live in Buffalo. Oh, I'm sorry, you man. You will. You will leave. You will be run out of town if you do not support the Bills. Hello and welcome to the Android Police Podcast. My name is Daniel Bader. This week on the show, we're recording a little bit early because uh, we're battening down the hatches. At least one of us is. Our Wagner. I guess you're expecting some pretty severe weather from Hurricane Ian. They're now expecting the eye to basically pass over me. So, yeah. That's a good thing, right? No. <laughs> no. That's bad. Yeah. That's, that's bad. But, um, right. I mean, we're either going to be like right. The eye is either going to go over us or we're going to be on the east side. So, I mean, either way, we're just going to get dumped on with rain and we're going to have a high sustained wind event wind event there's also talk of tornadoes but that's going to be either later this afternoon or maybe tomorrow by the time the actual like storm starts getting to florida we won't have to worry about that anymore but yeah it 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 picked a lovely time to come and be here because we have pixel next week and i am just like okay i have five articles to oh my power's gonna be out for three days cool i i genuinely am curious about and I don't want you to answer this because I feel like you know the answer and you're going to tell me in like 45 minutes. And uh, it's mostly just a me thing. But I would love to know what Disney does during a hurricane to, sh- to like prepare the parks well, for I mean, like disaster. It's like any other large campus, like any college campus or like public anything. You have a book of what it's like, okay, here are the stages of preparations. Here's what we do if we're expected to be in this part of it. Here's what we're expected to do if it's going to be like a cat one or here's what it's going to be if it's going to be like cat three or cat four. Disney hasn't said they're closing the parks yet because they're going to hold that to the last minute. But we know it's going to be like, okay, JK, we're, we're closed tomorrow through Friday. Yeah, no kidding. But as of right now, you can still make reservations for tomorrow at the Magic Kingdom. But uh, I would not want to be there. Unless you wanted to ride out the whole hurricane yeah. there. Don't cause... go to the Magic Kingdom during a hurricane, please. Just yeah. just be use your senses. Yeah. Anyway, glad you're here. Glad we're recording. We're recording this on Tuesday. There's not a ton to talk about, so we're going to have a little fun with this week's show. In spite of, not because of, Will Saddleberg. <laughs> how are you? I'm good. I'm, good. I'm now thinking about how Disney during a hurricane is actually like the ultimate like thrill seeker thing. Like, if you're like, Disney's just not extreme enough for me. (laughs) There's two schools of thought on this, because if it's like, okay, if I'm at the parks when they say you can't go anywhere anymore, then you get to stay at the parks for those hours. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, you wouldn't want to be in the park. You'd want to be at one of the hotels. Like, people will go book rooms at Disney hotels during a hurricane because it's like, okay, it's a centralized area. It's Disney will have power. Almost absolutely, because they have their own power generation and they have a lot of solar and they have tons of food and they have kitchen. They have staff. Staff get to ride it out there, too, and they get paid whether they're working or not. Well, working cast members get paid whether they are on shift or off shift. But I mean, there's worse places to ride out a hurricane than a Disney hotel. But that's too rich for my blood. Don't don't want to be in that. I mean, it's a concrete structure that's nice and tall, so I don't think it'd be terrible to yeah, ride it out of terror. I, I say this having worked at the Tower of Terror, But it's though. scary, though. <laughs> it's spooky. Meh. I'm just making jokes. I'm just trying to lighten up the mood. It's very serious. I'm, I'm, very, I'm very concerned for you, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that we were able to do this earlier this week. We are going to talk a little bit about the... 
tech that we use to prepare for extreme weather because that's a thing. It's not just Hurricane Ian, it's Hurricane Fiona. Last week, every few days, we hear about something new. So Ara is going to walk us through what she does to prepare for extreme weather and what you all listening can do if you're not doing them already. We're going to talk a little bit about the Pixel event coming up next week. There's a new Amazon shopping event, which I guess they're calling Prime Day 2. I don't really understand. I mean, I I understand it from Amazon's perspective, but uh, yeah, it's not the barnstormer that I think Prime Day was because Black Friday is in a couple of months and uh, there's only so much money that people have set aside to spend on stuff. But we're going to start the show talking about, you know, the Pixel event is coming up. We started to think, what can we do that's fun that our audience can get involved in? And we came up with this idea of a bracket the best Pixel phone ever made. And there have been 17 Pixels, if you're not counting, that have been released to date. And we put them all in a bracket, we seeded them, and we're doing it college football style, or I guess tennis round robin style, whatever whatever, whatever sport you you wanna use in this uh, fake scenario. And it's already started. You can go to our Twitter account at andrewpolice.com, or at andrewpolice, and you can vote. Today's day two, yesterday, the Pixel 6 Pro defeated the Panda Pixel 2 XL, uh, much to the dismay of many Panda lovers out there. And uh, we'll see what happens. But I kind of wanted to get the ball rolling here because it's interesting, right? Everybody kind of has a phone that they've loved over the years. A lot of differing opinions about which generation was the best Pixel. I am unabashedly a Pixel 6 Pro fan. I think it is by far the best and most cohesive product. A lot of people disagree with me though, and will fight me on this. So I guess I'll, I'll open up the floor to you, um, Ara, as somebody who's also used a bunch of Pixels over the years. What do you think is going to end up being the winner here? I feel like it's going to end up being the 6 Pro just because it's the latest and it's the greatest. Uh, I know people have rose-colored glasses on when they're looking at like the old Pixels, like the Panda 2XL and whatnot, but... What I see when I look back at all the early ones, besides the original one, which I absolutely loved, was what was their Achilles heel. Personally, I kind of loved the 4 because the face unlock was amazing and I wish we could get that back. But I think the best overall Pixel I have ever used was probably the Pixel 5a. Because you had that ridiculous battery life, which was so helpful. The cameras were kind of old, but I mean, at that point, so were all the Pixel cameras. And it was the last Pixel with a headphone jack. Yeah, it was just like, it's the it was the end of an era, right? It the, was the end of an era. The design had been matured to a f- piece of fine art. It was as far as that generation could go it physically. It was the final evolution. <laughs> um, it, it was the Mewtwo of, uh, of Pixels. I, I don't know, is that, <laughs> is that the final evolution? No, um, well, no. I, I, originally I, it could have been. I'm but just these getting days. to know Pokemon. <laughs> I don't don't kill me, people who love Pokemon. But like, You're my daughter get... is just getting into Pokemon right oh, now, so like, I'm slowly cute. learning it. I, I I managed to avoid even during the Pokemon Go years. Like, I was like, I don't care. I don't want to learn this. I don't want to buy cards. Uh, but well, I have no choice is, now. Is she getting into the games or is she getting into the cartoons? Into the cards because oh. kids at school. They they trade Pokemon cards. Gotcha. Oh man, yeah, some things so. never change. It's adorable. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I I agree with you. I think um, a lot of people have a lot of love for the four series, but the four itself, I think, is the worst Pixel because of the battery life. Yeah, I mean um, that's what they was, make portable battery packs for. 
No. Mm, nope. But no. yeah, no. no. It's battery was bad. The experience overall was good. What about you, Will? Um, yeah, I mean, I think you guys put it best. I was kind of thinking the same thing is that I think my pick is the, the six pro. Not even my personal pick, but just what I think is gonna win is the six pro. I think the five A is kind of a dark horse, but I, I don't know. I feel like people forget about that one. At the, I feel like well, ever, people it was who only had in it, two countries, right? That's what I mean. Like, n- like it was not very widely available in terms of like worldwide reach, and then it was just like so close to the Pixel Six launch that it just kind of came and went. And the people who bought one, I'm sure, loved it a lot. But I think there's an argument to be made that it should win, but also I don't think that it will because just not enough people are like thinking about it. I mean, it was basically the same phone as the 4A 5G right. though. Right, which I have two of uh, for reasons and I, I like that phone a lot. Um, and if I hadn't had two of them, I probably would have bought a 5A. But yeah, I think the 6 Pro has recency bias on its side, like Aura was saying. I think it's a good phone. I do. I think the 6 and the 6 Pro are both pretty good minus some some issues with them uh that we we have talked about at length in this podcast but the four series has that terrible battery life that i just think no the 4xl was good i think the 4xl is probably a dark horse here the the orange color that's true fantastic face unlock fantastic overall experience was was pretty good there were i don't think any major flaws with the 4xl it was expensive right it went up in price quite a bit from the three series Google put a lot of emphasis on motion sense and those features that ended up not really doing much and not really focusing on the other parts of the phone. And that was a problem. That was a liability for Google. Yeah, The three in the three XL design as well, specifically the three XL design, I think is going to hold it back. I think that that notch. Is oh, just I loved that. the bathtub. I loved it. I thought it was such no. a unique take. No, it's oh, terrible. I loved it so much. It was great. Oh, I still miss that phone. The 2XL deserved to lose for its screen. I had that phone. I The Panda was gorgeous, but it it didn't. Like, that screen was bad. Honestly, the one has a shot at kind of coming out of nowhere, too. Like the retro bias. Like, you think exactly. Pixel 6, exactly. 6, 6, 6 like, Pro is recency bias. Yeah. That phone is just like, everybody loves it because nobody can remember using it. That, it's the only flagship Pixel with a headphone jack, and I could see that crowd being like, well, we got to support the flagship with a headphone jack. It started the whole thing, and I could see people being like, well, you know, I really loved that design, that original, what started it all. I don't know, I could, I could see that, but uh, my money's still in the 6 Pro. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny, though, because when you look back on every Pixel, I mean, we haven't mentioned the Pixel 5. The Pixel 5 had no real show-stopping issues aside from the fact that it wasn't a quote flagship phone it didn't have the latest and greatest specs and it kind of just took the pixel in a different direction than the hardcore early adopters wanted right what was that priced at 700 yeah I, i i think so i think if they had done what they did with the six and priced that at 600 it would be a different conversation yeah but then the 4a 5g would have not made sense i know i I know i i but you know that it's just a weird generation because of that i mean but also we say that but i mean they're selling the pixel 6a right now for 450 and and the pixel 6 is is 600 and it's gonna be the same with the 7 like i I think they could have done it yeah it was too expensive it was 700 bucks with a quote mid-range chip whatever i mean it didn't really feel no cheap And I loved the design. I loved the feeling of that 
that like textured metal and the way that they achieved wireless charging by carving out a portion of the back plate and then painting it over so that it was uniform. There's some significant engineering achievements there, but it wasn't a step forward. It was a lateral step and most people didn't want that. And now we know kind of why, right? Like they were working on Tensor at the time. It wasn't ready. It was just like a weird year. Yeah, I don't know. I I still like my Pixel 5. I ran my Pixel 5 over with my office chair by accident. I I still have no idea how it happened, but like I dropped the phone and then I moved my chair back to move out of the way so that I could pick it up. And in doing so, I ran the screen over. So it just has these massive gouges in the glass. So unless I'm like using it in the dark, I can, I just see those scratches and I, it's like, I can't stop thinking about how much of an idiot I am. (laughs) So it's really my fault that I didn't like the pixel five as much as I should have, but yeah. That sage green is just like chef's kiss. Yeah. I mean, you know what I'm going to say, and that is a tempered glass screen protector would have broken, then you would have just put a new one on and been fine. Anyway, um, (laughs) (laughs) I already called myself an idiot. I already feel dumb enough, but yes, thank you for rubbing it in my, my dumb face. I will take every chance I can to tell y'all to put a case or a screen protector on these phones. Every single time. It's funny though, because like the Pixel 5, it like screamed for not having a case. Like yeah. the texture design, like the, the color, everything about it was just like, don't put a case on me. I'm light, I'm small, I'm one-handable. Like I don't need a case, right? I agree with that. I, I kind of feel the same about the A series sometimes where I'm like, I don't know. I, I, I feel like this doesn't need a case. I That's don't, true. Yeah. We haven't talked about the A-series at all, so let's actually finish this conversation because some people, I think, will vote for the A-series, right? The A-series is, you know, the 6A is obviously a really good product, but it's pretty recent. Um, I mean, didn't we just talk about the Pixel 5A? No, we did, and like the 4A, but I mean, like the series in general, right? The fact that Google debuted the 3A at I.O. 2019, it had its problems, but since then, every A-series phone has been better than the last. And I think there is no one, like you you can nitpick about every flagship pixel. You can't really nitpick any of the A-series, right? Like they're very good products. Uh, I love the Pixel 3a. That sucker needed to power bank more than the Pixel 4 did. Yeah, but it was also, it was cheaper. It, I don't know, the battery on that wasn't terrible. There are obviously things that you can point to, but at their price, they were extraordinarily good value, especially in the US. So, and like, I don't know, I still know people who use the Pixel 4a today and they love it. It's a good compact budget phone. We should mention the 4a 5G is, is beating the, the Pixel 3 XL currently while we record this 60, 61% to 39%. So, ah, mm-hmm. all right. There's some strength in the A series. I like it. <laughs> I'm going to go vote for the bathtub now, actually. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta get my vote in. So yeah, let's, I mean, I, I'm curious, right? Like, Everybody has an opinion. If you're a Pixel fan, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a Pixel user or have been in the past. Like, tell us how you feel. Go vote, by the way. Go to our Twitter account, vote. But send us an email, podcast at androidpolice.com. We'd love to hear from you about it. All right, let's move on and talk about some preparedness. Ara, 
extreme weather hits everybody at some point. Like, what are the things that you think people need to know? The obvious ones, obviously, like power banks, spare chargers, et cetera, et cetera. But like, what else do people need to know about? For severe weather prep, especially for a lot of these events, they're not going to be like prolonged weather events. Like I grew up in Tornado Alley. It's keep a power bank on you and keep a cable on you. But most of the time, you're only going to be like, if a tornado warning comes, it's you hunker down somewhere for an hour, maybe two, and then you come out and see what's left. The bigger thing for any weather event is what weather app, what weather data you have so that way you can better prepare for what you need or you can better prepare for what you are going to have to deal with whenever you actually get out of your home in the case of like snowstorms or flooding. I tend to break it up a little bit. I have a separate radar app installed because most of the weather events that I end up dealing with are very much storm related. So you want to see where the storms and the rain actually are and where they're trending to. I use RadarScope for that, which is definitely not for everybody because it's a $10 app and you need subscriptions if you want to get beyond the basic data. It's the app that meteorologists and storm chasers use. And it's great for seeing just like I get a better feel for the storms in that than I do in some of the other apps where they like they smooth out the maps a little more and they do future tracking that may or may not be where the storm actually goes. But the two most important things are you need something that'll show you what is happening right now and you need an app that will A, warn you in advance and B, that will tell you what's coming after. And you need to make sure that the notifications are set up properly because for a lot of people, they have a weather app and whatever the default notification is, that's the weather alerts they get. And for a lot of apps, you'll get the persistent time and temp notification, but you might not be getting all of the weather alerts. And if you live in some areas, you probably turned all the alerts off because they were just sending out too many for like fog advisories or special weather statements. Central Florida loves its special weather statements. So you need to know how to go into your settings and make sure it's like, okay, I don't want to get advisories. I want to get watches and warnings because those are the two that matter. Those are the two that it's like a watch means, okay, I need to be ready to get somewhere or I need to be getting ready to hunker down for a number of days. Warnings are if you are outside, get inside right now and turn on the TV and hear what your meteorologist has to say because shit's happening. But good notifications will help you stay informed in case things happen, especially living in Tornado Alley. Tornado warnings don't usually come before the tornado does. Usually for a tornado warning, the tornado is already on the ground or the funnel cloud is at least trying to touch down. So if you hear a tornado warning, chances are it's too late to do anything but run to the bathroom and hope the walls hold. Hurricanes warnings mean that we have 36 hours to get whatever else we need to done. During a hurricane, do... Cell phone towers usually stay operational. Like, are, do you find that cell service is usually disrupted? Well, this is the first hurricane that has actually hit us that I am going to have been through here in Florida. I've only been here for three and a half years. The only hurricane I had to deal with was there was one in 2020, shortly after they had reopened for the pandemic. Well, actually, wait, no. There was one in 2019, but it ended up not really doing much for any of us, except making the parks really, really empty for a few days, which I very much enjoyed. Uh, And the one in 2021 ended up just being like a whole lot of nothing for Central Florida because it came and then it just blew through, but it wasn't super organized and it was just very fast moving. And a fast moving hurricane is actually a good thing because the faster it moves, the less time it'll just spend dumping tons and tons of rain on your area. What's going to be devastating about Ian is that they are expecting it to come to the Florida Peninsula 
peninsula and then either offshore or just after it gets onshore it's going to stall out and it's going to be very slow moving and that means that we're going to have like 36 to 48 hours of like torrential downpours which is why flooding is going to be such a huge thing here so yeah, it's uh, for cell towers, it also depends on how much of the power grid goes down and how long it stays down. Cell tower centers usually have generators that will work for a period of time, but if it's going to be like a week of outages, at some point the generators are either going to run out of fuel or in some cases generators can fail. If a cell site gets flooded and the generators that they are running on get flooded, there's not much you can do. But that's part of why all the major carriers have what are basically these big trucks that turn into portable cell sites that they can drive into the worst impacted areas in order to restore service. Yeah, they're called COWs. Yes, yes they are. COW stands for cell on wheels. They act as either replacement or additional capacity. So you'll see COWs often at busy stadiums during NFL games or concerts. Well, Thanks to 5G, a lot of like concert venues and places that are like, oh, we have like 100,000 people here at a time have invested in 5G in order to not need to rely on those as often because certain types of 5G, they just allow more people to be on it at the same time as opposed to LTE, which was easier to get overloaded. Well, you're talking about millimeter wave, which sure, but like not everybody uses millimeter wave and it's not quite as easy for these Um, stadiums to set up as it was as people were led to believe so this idea of like you go to a stadium and your phone magically just stays connected and at super fast speeds all the time that's not really true all over the u.s right like millimeter wave is still pretty limited verizon is really the only carrier that's invested heavily in it and you're not guaranteed to get millimeter wave signals. Well, so it might not be quite the same, like you can get like tons and tons of people as 5G, but even sub six had some optimization in order to allow a higher capacity, even if it's a slower speed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 5G is inherently around 30% more efficient than LTE using the same airwaves. But that still does not mean you don't need additional capacity when there are hundreds of thousands of people in a single area, right? Because stadiums are often in areas where there are a lot of people already, right? We're talking about highly dense urban populations. Hundreds of thousands of people live in those areas in very tall buildings, right? Like they need the infrastructure already. So adding an influx of people is going to always tax the carriers. So it's not to say that they need them all the time, but but certainly they will need additional capacity. Anyway, it's just interesting. Like I was just reading that most of the time there are a few hundred cell towers that go down during a hurricane if it's that strong. But most of them, as you said, have like multiple generators and uh, they last a few days. Yeah. And the building codes for literally everything are different down here because if hurricanes are this common, you have to build and expect things to tolerate it, which is also why Jules put in the chat that Orlando's buildings are squat and that's relatively true. Orlando's quote unquote high rises are not nearly as tall as a number of other metroplexes. Uh, We're not as high as they get up north. Yeah. So, you know, this is one of many extreme weather events that we're going to have to deal with over the next few months. But We'd love to hear from you if you have any suggestions, how you guys prepare. Is it just staying put, getting all your stuff charged and playing a lot of video games? Or are you constantly monitoring the weather reports and using those apps that are recommended? Which apps do you use? 
Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Okay, last thing we're going to talk about today is something that we've been discussing it a little bit internally, but like this week it came to a head because one of my favorite new games on mobile is not available on Android. It's called Shovel Knight Dig. It is a pretty wide release. It came to Apple Arcade this week, along with basically every other video game platform, including Steam, Switch, eventually Xbox and PlayStation. So really, it's only not available on Android, and that's because Apple partnered with the studio, put it on Apple Arcade exclusively, which is great for iPhone, iPad users, but it just means it's another mobile game that Android users don't get access to. At the same time, we were doing a little bit of investigation. We've been looking into Netflix's new aspirations as a game studio. The company is actually launching its own game studio based in Finland and in, in Helsinki, which is great. But increasingly, Netflix is putting well-known games behind its paywall. And the recent example of this is a well-known game called Oxenfree. A lot of people have played it. It was released in 2016. And we wrote about it. We wrote about it back in 2017. It's a point-and-click fun sort of adventure game. Uh, and it was available on Android and iOS until last week when Netflix basically worked with the developer to restore it, make it better, re-release it, and put it behind this new Netflix gaming paywall. If you're not familiar with this, Netflix has started offering high-quality mobile games to its subscribers on iOS and Android, but you have to be a Netflix subscriber. So a game like Oxenfree, if you paid for it back in 2017 or until recently, that's fine. You still have access to it. But now non-Netflix subscribers don't have access to it anymore. It's not on the Play Store. It's not on the App Store anymore. And that's not great. What this means is that it's just another walled garden to contend with, Will. And I, and I don't know about you, but as a Netflix subscriber, that's fine. But I've been on the edge of canceling for like six months now. And I don't love this trend because it is putting pressure on people to spend another 20 bucks a month to get access to some great games. But at the same time, there really isn't a good Apple Arcade competitor on Android. And Google's Play Pass is certainly not a good competitor to Android Arcade or Apple Arcade. So what do you think about this latest trend? I mean, I think that it is a great benefit if you are a Netflix subscriber and there's a lot of them, although like you know, you say that you've been thinking about canceling. I canceled five months ago, uh, right around the time the price hike actually went into effect and my 4K plan became like $22 or something after tax. And I was like, I'm not, this is dumb. This is too much money. I'd rather see Netflix, and to this point they're doing it, but I'd rather see Netflix put some money into like original titles if they're going to go this route of exclusive games for their subscribers. And it sounds like, or they are confirmed to be opening their own studio and so that helps but they also removed a couple i was trying because it was bothering me I, I was trying to, to uh remember what other games they pulled from the the play store I, I believe they pulled a couple stranger things titles and made those exclusive to uh subscribers. which makes sense yeah it, it does it does i mean that one especially is just like ties right into their platform right but i mean you could get those games at least one of them is also launched in like pc and and switch and probably all the other consoles and and so it is just like another place where you can't get it anymore unless you're willing to pay, but also you can just go buy it on other platforms. And it's the same with like Oxenfree where it's like, 
you can go get it on the Switch. You can go get it on PC. That game has a sequel coming out. It was just delayed again to 2023. But like, on one hand, it seems like maybe this Netflix deal will let more people play the first one before the sequel comes out. On the other hand, all of the metrics that have come out about Netflix's gaming program seem to imply that no one is playing these games. So I don't Nobody know. Nobody knows about them. No one knows about them. I, I, I don't. I feel like when people see Netflix and gaming, they think of like, bandersnatch right they think of like those Mm -hmm. interactive episodes of tv where it's like oh you get to pick what direction in the story you want to go and not like no these are just like actual games you can play on your phone and like phone games too it's not like they're releasing console games yet no but like they might do that down the road yeah but but like oxenfree is on you know like these are these there are some like console games a lot of times yeah there there are also some like you know any mobile game that has the word bubble in it like they've got a couple of those right but like there are like actual titles into the breach i don't believe ever came to android and now never will unless you're willing to pay for a a netflix uh, subscription or you can go buy it on the gaming platform of your choice because it's on everything else but they have done a good job building out the start of a good apple arcade competitor i think it just sucks that it's kind of comes and this isn't a surprise but it comes at the cost of uh exclusivity and 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 not being able to to just pay ten dollars for a game that you want to play on your phone i mean it very much feels like the same value proposition as amazon prime right like amazon prime is itself just a bunch of different things for some people it's access to prime video for some people it's fast shipping for some people it's like gaming perks on twitch music right free streaming But here, Netflix understands that as it raises costs, which it will continue to do, and as its growth peters out in North America, where its ARPU is highest, the next stage is trying to keep people subscribing and feeling like they're getting value out of that subscription. I don't know if this is it. I I don't think so. I mean, playing Into the Breach on my phone is fine. Like, I've enjoyed it. There are some really decent, like, mobile first games. I love me Point P. I, I just think Point P is a great game. You should play it. I think I've talked about this before, but like it's pretty thin. I mean, I'm counting on Android right now. There's what, 8, 16, 24, 32, 35. So like 33 games or so. Most of them are in like the two star range. And there's only a couple of them that are really well rated. Into the Breach is one of them. Uh, but most of them are garbage. So they're just there to fill up space and who knows? I mean, this, this might not be the end goal, but something tells me that if Google can't make gaming work on its own platform, this might not be long for the world and Netflix might just abandon its efforts in a couple of years. Yeah. I cannot escape that feeling that we're looking at some like not great economic news right over the last like year, basically at this point. But like if Netflix continues to have money issues, like, the gaming platform is the first thing they're going to go for because no one's using it. I'm kind of surprised this news about them wanting to build a studio even happened because it seems like that's the last thing that they would want to do right now. But it seems like they at least right now believe in this as something that will keep people paying, which is by far the most important thing to them. Like that's kind of how they make all their decisions on what shows they renew, what is pulling people in and then what is keeping them watching. And if it's not doing both of those things, then they will cancel it, which is why no Netflix. Well, it's one of the reasons no Netflix show lasts more than like two seasons. But I mean, the irony here, which I find really funny is that 
Cyberpunk 2077 is getting a resurgence on all of the platforms, not mobile, obviously, because of a Netflix show. I believe on Steam, it over the weekend surpassed the all-time playing peak of The Witcher 3. So it had more people. It was like 157,000 people were playing Cyberpunk at the same time versus like 130,000 was the record for The Witcher 3. So like, that's crazy compared to how that game launched. It's currently number eight on the list of most played games on Steam. Yeah. And it hasn't been for for a <laughs> No, no, it was, no. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know. That, that, I've heard that anime is good. I don't know. I haven't seen it. I'm not a Netflix subscriber. <laughs> <laughs> you can borrow my, my password for like. Thank you, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know, a few more months before they crack down on it. Yeah, for real. <laughs> So yeah, this, I mean, it's interesting. I, I don't know how to feel about it. I love better, higher quality games on my phone. This week, the Logitech G Cloud gaming tablet streaming thing was launched. It, you know, nobody's used it for more than 10 minutes, but it, it does seem like mobile gaming is evolving beyond just mobile games. And this strategy from Netflix feels short-sighted because of that. But who knows? Netflix is, you know, retasting is a smart man. He's, uh, he knows what's up. So we'll see. I think that's it. We're going to leave it there. We've done like two long ones. This is a short yeah, one. Yeah, we did two long ones. We did a lot of Apple stuff. We're going to keep it short and sweet for you this week. We'll be back next I week. I mean, next week is going to be super long anyway. Yeah, next week's pixels. So like, get ready for all that yeah. jazz. Um, <laughs> in the meantime, we're going to get as much sleep as possible to prepare ara is going to hunker down and uh, eat lots or drink lots of coke and and ride this hurricane out if you are in an affected area we are sending you all of our love all of our support we hope you get through this okay and we hope that we for 45 minutes this week uh, gave you a little bit of joy so thank you so much for listening if you want to find ara she's at our wagco send her some love on twitter Will is at Will underscore Saddleberg. Listen to his new podcast. Will, plug your sure. new podcast. Tell Teased tell everybody about forever it. ago. Uh, yeah, it, my podcast is finally out. It's called Don't Explain. Uh, you can find it wherever you're currently listening to this. It is a three episode uh, season one. The entire premise of the show is basically uh, I want to take a look at where movie tropes and movie cliches come from. So if you're into movies, you might like this. This season, I explore the birth, death, and rebirth of the rock star biopic all the way from Lady Sings the Blues to Bohemian Rhapsody and beyond. I even managed to re-record and squeeze in some Elvis talk in there. So yeah, it's, it's cool. You can binge it in like three hours. I'm really proud of it. So please check that out. And that's Don't Explain wherever you get your podcasts. Yes. All right. And uh, Jules is at Point Jules. I, I wonder if Jules has anything to plug. Blink twice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you, Jules, as well, for for being our, our, our producer extraordinaire every week. Um, go give him a follow if you haven't already. Uh, Jules says that he's plugging the UK electrical system. Uh, that is that is the most Jules joke you will ever hear in your life. Well done. Um, I am at Journey Dan. You can find me on all the things. You can find all of us at Android Police. We hope you have a great week and stay safe. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.